Hello, Michigan Medicine, and welcome to the RAP Employee Podcast. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. And I'm Dan's most reputable co-host, Bailey Merzik. Today's episode will focus on some high reliability skills that will help you do your job better and help those in our organization better serve patients, families, and colleagues. Now, before we get into that, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. Did you know that we've had more than 200 episodes of The Wrap so far? In case you missed any of them, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform and get caught up. And be sure to subscribe in order to not miss any of the new shows as they debut in the future. We'll also be able to catch them on the Michigan Medicine YouTube channel and as part of the headlines we can review. All right, let's start our conversation with Michelle Durheim and Scott Gray. First, can the two of you both introduce yourselves and explain your roles here at Michigan Medicine? Yeah, sure. I'll go first. Um, I'm Scott Gray. I'm an education services specialist. I work in the quality department on the education team, and I am the course lead for the Create Trust course, and I've been here for about a year and a half now. And I am Michelle Durheim. I am the clinical nurse director for the pediatric intensive care unit and the pediatric dialysis unit here in Mott Children's Hospital. I have been here since 2006, and I have been in attendance of the class that Scott uh, has taken over. And I won't, I, I won't say how many times I've had to take it to get it right, but it's been more than once. <laughs> All right. So Scott, let's talk a little bit more about that class, Create Trust. What is the class and why is it so important? A great question. So the Create Trust class is a course that we run every month. It's a two-hour class and it's available to everybody. And it really introduces people to the concept of humble inquiry and then demonstrates how we can use humble inquiry to really kind of build trust in our working relationships and um, lay the foundation for psychological safety to really take hold and to flourish. And the course really does a couple of important things it highlights kind of our natural human tendency to ask closed-ended questions and to really to jump in with giving advice before we fully understand a problem. And then it demonstrates how humble inquiry can really kind of improve communication, collaboration, and build trust by asking more open-ended questions and uh, having the other person share more information. Yeah, so talking about humble inquiry, um, that's a super important skill for, for everyone to have. So what is it exactly and how does it help build our high reliability organization that we're on this journey to? We get our definition of humble inquiry from Edgar Schein, who is a pretty well-known organizational uh, and cultural expert from MIT. And he defines humble inquiry as the fine art of drawing someone out, of asking questions that we don't already know the answers to, and really kind of uh, demonstrating an interest in the other person. And so we're kind of showing our humility by admitting we don't know something and then asking some good open-ended questions to really try to find out more about that situation. And it really encourages free flow of information and encourages the person that we're asking questions of to really kind of share their thoughts and their perspectives on a given situation so that we can really learn more about a problem before we jump in 
and try to solve it. Now, the second part of your question, how does it contribute to an HRO? And so we know that HROs are really good at detecting kind of early warning signs of problems and dealing with those early warning signs when they're small problems before they grow into big problems and eventually cause harm. And so humble inquiry is a skill that can be used to kind of empower the frontline staff to really help them understand that the expectation is we want you to be looking for problems. We want you to speak up when you identify a problem and help us kind of collaboratively problem solve that, that issue before it turns into a bigger problem and eventually you know, causes harm, like reaches a patient or a staff member, for example, and causes, causes some type of harm. So Michelle, I want to turn to you because you mentioned that you've already taken this course. What were some of the things that you learned in the class and how did you then apply them to your work at Mott? Absolutely. So uh, like I said, I have taken this class more than once because it sounds simple to ask questions, open-ended versus closed-ended, but it's actually a skill that you have to build. And so when Scott referred to humble inquiry being the interest in drawing the other person out, you're looking for them to help you understand the problem. And so really asking those open-ended questions and not the self-talk that's going, that so many of us do inside of our own heads. We are answering the question ourselves. We may be asking the question in a manner in which we were directing them to answer us in a certain way. And so to truly be inquisitive, and that's the whole humble inquiry piece, is thinking less of yourself, essentially, and more of the other person and trying to draw that out. And so as a leader, the humble inquiry actually fits great with my own personal philosophy of leadership, which is actually to be a servant, because my job wouldn't exist if I didn't have my team to serve. My job wouldn't be needed. So uh, that's what I tell my staff is I'm here to take the barriers out of your way. And so I need to listen to them because they'll many times come up with a, a solution to a problem that I would have never dreamed of because I'm actually not the one doing that work on a day-to-day -day basis. They are. Uh, so it then helps us build a highly reliable organization because if a if every single team member is feel safe asking questions and raising a, hey, this might be a problem, and we all feel safe doing that, no matter if we're talking to me, their immediate supervisor, or David Miller, the president of the hospital, that we can raise those questions, feel safe in our environment, have trust that we can speak openly. We will prevent so much harm to everyone. And then be on our journey to being highly reliable and doing no harm, which is really what our goal is. And and this, just to clarify, this isn't just in a clinical setting, right? It's no matter what role you're in, you sort of need to be able to raise issues, you know, in, for me in communication. If I don't raise an issue and then communicate something improperly or incorrectly, that could then lead to patient harm or harm in a lab somewhere, or, you know, then you end up teaching incorrect info to the next generation. Um, you know, everyone's roles are interconnected here, right? Absolutely. Actually, uh, when we were doing a lot of the 
high reliability training in person. I was one of the trainers and I would take uh, a few minutes at the end of the class and ask for every single person to give me their role within the institution. And I would relate then how their role could then impact patient safety in some way, shape or form, whether they directly interact with patients or not, just as my role is to serve my team, the whole purpose that Michigan Medicine exists is to take care of our patients. So there's not a single job here that doesn't ultimately have an impact on the patients, the communications team, all our, our parking attendants, everybody, everybody can uh, directly impact the safety of our patients. Yeah, and talking about the safety of the patients and having and you know us having psychological safety to to not be afraid to speak up and ask questions. Um, how does the psychological safety have an impact on some of the things that we work on in our organization, like our our base strategic priorities? So I see psychological safety and humble inquiry impacting really all the areas of the base. And let me explain. So when we use humble inquiry and we get staff feeling empowered and they trust leadership, they will start um, sharing their thoughts and perspectives, right? And we hire, we hire the best people that we can find, right? And we hire for diversity as well. And so we're then benefiting from all of these diverse perspectives. So we've got these great thinkers out there who are bringing us um, their new ideas. They're identifying problems. They're not afraid to speak up and say, wait a minute, I noticed this problem. And so people then feel like, hey, somebody cares what I think. I feel included. I feel part of the conversation and my opinion matters. And so now we've got diversity and we've got inclusivity. And when we have that and we've got this engaged workforce, now we can work on things like improving access. We can speak up for quality and safety and make sure that the care that we provide to our customers, to our patients, whoever they may be, the care is the best, it's the safest, it's the highest quality. And then um, we're improving staff experience, right? If, if I come to work and I feel like, my leadership listens to me and they care what I have to say and they listen to my ideas. Now I'm engaged and I want to come to work and I feel like I really belong in this institution. And then the care that I then give to my customers, whether they're patients or someone else, that gets better because I want to do the best I can do for the organization. And so I think humble inquiry and psychological safety impacts absolutely every part of the base strategic priorities. Yeah, so with this, the things in this class being so important, I think it's important for people to know, I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but where exactly can people go if they're interested in um, taking the class? So we have uh, on the quality department website, we have uh, a tab that says training. And you click on that training tab and it will take you to all the classes that we offer, not just the Create Trust class, but all our classes will be listed there. And so the Create Trust class, like I said, runs once a month and everyone can take it. We also have a version of this class on Canvas, which is asynchronous. So if you're really busy and you can't, you know, carve two hours out of your schedule to be with us, 
you can take the asynchronous version on Canvas and kind of learn at your own pace. And uh, we also have created a community of practice on Teams where when people take the course, they get really excited about this work. And we don't want the conversations to stop when they leave the class and go back to their work area. So we have some information at the end of the class in the post-course email on where to find us on Teams so that we can all kind of practice these skills. Like M Michelle had said, this is a skill that we all need to practice. And even I have to practice this skill, right? I teach this class every month for a couple of years now, and I still have to practice this skill. So the community of practice on Teams is really that format for everyone to kind of jump in and then learn like what are best practices and where are we struggling with these things and kind of keep that conversation moving. Yeah, I would say that those forums are are really helpful uh, because you can get back into old habits. And so it's really something that takes practice to develop new habits, because uh, I can tell you that self-talk and um, inside your head is really hard to stop and to really be listening to that. But if you think of um, what Scott said, everyone feeling safe to speak up, when we have that many people thinking about how to solve the organization's problems, it, they're going to get solved. And so you have this many smart people thinking and um, and then when they're engaged, they care more. And so they care about their environment and they'll speak up sooner. And so we just pick up, we pick up things just so much more quickly. And you can tell just by walking around when um, staff are caring more about their workplace and their unit and, you know, coming out of the pandemic, I remember telling my boss, we're coming, we're coming my team's coming back. My team's coming back because I could see people caring and engaging with each other and talking things through. Um, and, and it, you, it was palpable that you could feel people recovering from, um, the stress and the anxiety and everything that we went through with the pandemic. It was, a uh, a great thing to see. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great message, um, from Michelle and obviously Scott, Thank you so much for sharing all this information about a very important class that will help everyone here at Michigan Medicine do our jobs better. If you want to learn more about the high reliability work taking place at Michigan Medicine, go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. Okay, it's time for the lightning round when we ask one of our guests four quick fire questions. Michelle, you lost in a game of rock, paper, scissors before the show, so you will be in the hot seat. Are you ready to go? I am ready. Scott, you want me a coffee? <laughs> All right. We've talked a lot about classes and courses on today's episode. Have you taken any interesting classes or courses in your non-work life? And if not, what was your favorite class back when you were in school? Oh, I always loved science. Um, so I, I that just is what comes to mind quickly. Um, I loved my uh in nursing school, the prerequisite of anatomy and physiology, I, I still um, have contact with that professor. I was a tutor um, and he just all-time favorite. Loved the learning. Um, that's just my favorite topics, so. Okay, last week in headlines, readers learned about a mentorship program that is helping build connections at Michigan Medicine. Who has been your biggest mentor in your time here? Um, in my time here, I would say Linda Laren. Um, I worked with Linda in the CVC for um, the first nine years that I was here. And um, she is a fantastic mentor. 
she knows the art of humble inquiry. She has practiced that a lot. And I would say she is a master. Yeah, she's awesome. And I know she's a fan of the rap. So maybe she will uh, enjoy this shout out here <laughs> on, on today's show. All right. It is Girl Scout cookie season. Do you enjoy Girl Scout cookies? If so, what are your favorite kind? And if not, what would you rather have for dessert? Ooh, thin mints. My my kids call them crack. <laughs> uh, they, they they love them frozen. They love them crushed up. Um, I have made a uh, um a mint chocolate mint cheesecake with crushed um thin mints as the crust. So yeah, thin mints are definitely the versatility thin favorite. Yes. <laughs> okay, so finally next week is a leap day. What would you say is the biggest leap you've ever taken? And it could be either a risk you took at work or it could be a literal risk like bungee jumping or zip lining. So I would say the biggest leap I took was um, in 2006 and moving my family. I'd had a 17 year career at Covenant Healthcare and Linda Laren actually recruited me um, to come and help open the cardiovascular center. And I uprooted my family. I have three sons and, uh, and we moved um, near here to Manchester, Michigan, established a new home and uh, my boys thankfully flourished and I have never regretted um, coming to Michigan Medicine. It, it's been a, a great ride. That's awesome. The rest is history, as they say. Um, so thank you for coming here and for, for spending such a big part of your career here. Um, obviously, Michigan Medicine is better for that move as well. So thank you, Michelle, for playing along with the lightning round and for sharing the information about our courses. Once again, if you want to learn more about Michelle and Scott's work and HRO in general at Michigan Medicine, go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. Okay, Dan. So we asked Michelle about what courses or classes she takes has taken in her free time. And I have a slightly different question for you. What is one skill or hobby that you want to take a class on if you had the chance to? So that's actually a really good question. I've, um, especially in recent years, I've really gotten into baking. Like I love watching like the Great British Baking Show and things like that. Um, and every year at Christmas, my uh, sister-in-law and I try making like a ridiculous, you know, some sort of dessert. We made a Christmas tree cake that had like seven layers this year. It didn't look anything like in the pictures. It tasted good. So that was fine. But I would like actually want to take like a baking course and figure out sort of how to actually make it look good and taste good because I'm kind of obsessed with dessert. Um, so that would be me. What about you? Um, so mine would be probably some kind of instrument, like probably the piano. Um, I did have a piano when I was younger and I wanted to start taking classes and I would practice on my own, but I just never, never had time or anything. So if that would be the one thing I could get back into, it'd be playing an instrument. Yeah. That's great. Um, you know, I did take harp lessons for about a year because my wife is a professional harp teacher. Um, and when she was in college and we were dating, she had to teach an adult with no musical background. And that was me. I had no musical background. So I had to learn to play the harp. And apparently I didn't practice enough because she dropped me as a student after a year. But I do get to hear the harp every day in the house. So it is a very nice instrument to I was have around. Say it's a nice one, yeah. Yes, yeah. That's one of her selling points is like, even if like your kid has never played an instrument before, it'll still sound good. It's not like a flute <laughs> or the drums, you know? It's a good thing to have around. So anyway. Um, all right, it's time for the weekly trivia contest. This week's question is... For over a century, Michigan Medicine has been on a mission to bring Michigan answers to patients and families across Michigan and beyond. 
It's why University of Michigan Health is honored to have been named Michigan's number one hospital once again by U.S. News & World Report and to have been named year after year to the prestigious honor roll of the nation's top hospitals. If you need a Michigan answer in your life, think Michigan Medicine and visit michigananswers.com. The ongoing Lunar New Year celebration marks the beginning of the year of which zodiac animal? Once again, the ongoing Lunar New Year celebration marks the beginning of the year of which zodiac animal? When you know the answer, send it to headlines at med.umich.edu for the chance to win a prize. And that's all the time we have for this week. Thanks, Michelle and Scott, for joining us. And thank you to all of our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>